Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dash Radio Show with your hosts, Don Wright DeBrance and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on Facebook.com forward slash The Dash Radio. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Okay, we are here. This is Peter Mingles, and Dawn Wright Olivers, or Dawn Wright DeBrance, is not going to be on this call. I'm going to be hosting this one today. So I get a chance to have a conversation with our guest um, all by myself and ask cool and interesting questions. And I have to share with you, I am excited to be listening in because I'm probably going to learn a, a lot as well about the topics that this gentleman is going to be reviewing. So for all those people that are previewing the dash, we start off with the date where you first got started in your life. You finish off wherever you finish it off, and everything in between is a dash. And what you make of it is what you make of it. Most of us uh, do whatever we can to make sure we add to our as well as other people's lives. Now, when I was this gentleman's age, that was a long time ago. It was like 30 years ago. So I've been like older than him. And I remember when I first got started and I started to climb my corporate ladder at the age of 26, I had old guys like me actually say, what are we going to learn from you? They were talking about me, Jeet, not about you. But they were saying, what are we going to learn about you? We have socks older than you are. And I said, the first thing you'll probably learn is you need new socks. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, am, I became, if you will, that old guy. But I certainly understand that there is a world out there that you are conquering. So it is a pleasure to have you on our call. This is Mr. Jeet Banerjee, and I hope I got that right. Jeet, how did I do on your last name? Uh, you did You did perfect. You got it perfectly. And, Excellent. yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be oh, you're chatting welcome. with you guys. You're welcome. So for those people listening in, um, this is the Dash Radio, and we have a gentleman that literally is just starting his Dash. He's 20 years old. He's a college student taking the semester off. We're going to get into some things, but he has actually already done more things in his very brief lifetime. And, Gita, you got to remember, I'm the old man on the phone. Like, I'm the guy who <laughs> might still think he's 20, but I actually turned out to be like 50 and almost 51, so I'm somewhat jealous, if you will, that you get a chance to do it all over again. But Or for you, the first time, for me, it would be all over again. <laughs> but in an environment that really affords people like yourselves to really take the world by storm. So thanks for being here. Share with us a little bit about yourself. And at 20, you can go through the whole history. I mean, we had <laughs> at 20, you can start from birth almost. But tell us a little bit about you. And let's talk uh, about yeah, some, of your, some of your successes already. Yeah, definitely. So um, i I'm currently 20 years old. Um, I've kind of always had an entrepreneurial mindset, so to speak. Um, when I was the first sign of entrepreneurship I had was actually at the age of nine. I was kind of I loved two things at the time. I loved using the computer and surfing the internet, and I loved basketball. And I was always intrigued by websites and how they were kind of put up. So at nine, I had a big goal of putting up a website which would showcase all the coolest dunks, basically. And I created the best domain name that I've ever come up with in my life at the age of nine, which is powerdunk.com. And it took me about four to five months to put up like a three-page website with just a bunch of pictures. Um, I was learning how to use Dreamweaver and Microsoft Front Page while just reading all these random books, and I didn't even understand 90% of the words that were in these books. But somehow I was just kind of determined to put this website out, and I was able to do that. So that was kind of my first sign of entrepreneurship at the age of nine. Um I didn't really, the website never made any money, and I don't think anyone besides me and my parents ever even saw the website, but it was still a pretty big accomplishment for me since I was just able to get that up. And then as I kind of got older, I, I've i always kind of been raised where my parents have said that if I wanted something, that's fine. Like if I want a new game system or if I want to go out and buy something, I can go out and buy it, but I have to find a way to make the money myself. So around about 12 or 13, I used to play these video games consistently on the computer, and while my friends and other people in the games would kind of play these video games to 
get coins to buy fancy clothes for their character or to buy a house in the game or whatever it was, I actually found a way to make money off of the game because the, the game developers were selling the coins inside the game for, say, 1 million coins at $50, and I was really good at earning these coins. So I said, hey, why don't I just undercut the game developers and sell to the users themselves? So I did this for about two to three years, and I used to sell them at, like, 1 million coins for 25 bucks or whatever, and I made some decent money doing that, and that was, like, my second sign of entrepreneurship. And then around the age of 17 is when I really moved into something more official, so to speak. I had a job at, at the age of 15, and I didn't like the way that was going, so I kind of quit two years later, and I launched a multimedia company that offered, like, web design, web development, video production, things like that. And um, that company did very well. I even had over 15 employees at one period of time. And I kind of sold that company two years later when I was 19. And most recently, I've kind of pushed into my next startup company, which is StatFuse, which is kind of a virtual platform that helps students and parents with college admissions. Uh, we help students and basically conquer college admissions by seeing what their chances of getting in are, giving them tips and secrets to increase their chances, and kind of just helping them with the whole college planning part of things. And um, in addition to this, uh, I recently just published my second book, which is kind of uh, called The Pursuit of Passion, which helps entrepreneurs that are kind of just starting out take their ideas and kind of find a way to turn it into a successful business. And yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Well, you handled a lot of stuff in that first intro. I want to go back to you know, I'll refer this back to like when my first job after school was like cutting somebody's lawn, <laughs> or actually like delivered newspapers. And you guys have gotten gotten an opportunity to actually have a global reach relative to the things that you were doing. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. I am going to obviously gravitate a little bit towards the conversation that you had with Statfuse, because uh -huh. for me that's a really that's a really timely topic. I have one son who is graduating right now from a university. So he's already been through four years. And my daughter that's just getting started. And looking for schools is way different, and looking for opportunities is way different than when I first um, went to school. Everything was snail mail. Everything was much slower. There was, you know, you really had to work very hard to find any of the scholarships that would be available. Most people wouldn't even be thinking about them. But with your product, it seems like that's an amazing product to help anybody that's in school. So if you can, tell us a little bit about StatFuse. Oh, and by the way, i got to share with you, there's a lot of people that they kind of like to look up the guest speaker while we're on the call. So let's give out some websites that you have. So Let's give out the first one so anybody can kind of read along. So one of them is that statfuse.com. If I had the spelling right, it would be S-T-A-T-F-U-S-E.com. And then how about your regular website, like your main website with your name? And then my personal website is actually my full name. So it's J-E-E-T-B-A-N-E-R-J-E-E.com. And that kind of has links to all of my other projects and my book and all that good stuff. So say it again one more time because your name is unique to you. So it's J, uh -huh. keep going. J-E-E-T-B-A-N-E-R-J-E-E.com, jeepbanerjee.com. So where did the idea or the concept come for the stat fuse? Um, yeah, definitely. So me and my partner, my current partner, we're actually in high school, and um, we basically have these aspirations of kind of getting into all these good schools, like big colleges and stuff, but we really didn't know what we needed to do to get accepted to these schools. And when we kind of reached out to our counselors, um, we had about a few weeks till we had to apply, and we went out to our counselors and said, hey, can we get an appointment? Can we sit down and talk? And I went to a public school, so these counselors were extremely booked, and it was, they gave us a date that was like maybe one and a half months that the next time when they could speak to us and help us out, even though our applications were due in a few weeks. And we kind of then saw like, hey, there's got to be a solution to this. So then we began searching online and in other places, but we couldn't really find anything. So that's when we came up with the idea and said, hey, let's put something together where we can do all the things that a counselor does, but we can give students access to this 24-7 where they can come in and get all the information and help they need to get into a good school. And that's kind of where the idea originated. Now, so you went from an idea, and mm -hmm. obviously you have programming. So who's the programmer among you and your partner, or did you outsource the programming as well? 
Uh, so, yeah, so we actually outsourced the programming. Um, I, since my first company dealt with a lot of web design, web development, and online marketing, I actually had a team of developers that I had kind of established a relationship with. So I was actually able to get them on board for the project on an equity basis, and they kind of took care of all the development and design work and things like that. Now, for some people that are listening in, they might not know the pieces of putting together a product like that. Now, I don't so I don't want to go over any proprietary information. Uh-huh. But talk about the pieces of putting together a website like Statfuse. So you'd have mm-hmm. like a database and then you'd have a host. I mean, educate some of the people. Maybe there's a 9-year-old that's listening to this or maybe a 99-year-old guy that's listening to this and says, "I would love to be able to do something like that. Turn my vision or my idea into a dream." What are some of the components of a Statfuse site? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, for a site like Statfuse, um, there's there's actually quite a few different key components. Um, one of the things that you mentioned, the database, our website is extremely data intensive, that we have so many videos, so much content, so much information that's stored. So we definitely needed to start out with a really big and really flexible database that could be able to handle not only the server load of how many users and visitors are at the site at one time, but as well as the content and the information that's kind of being hosted. And then in terms of a front-end aspect, we had to kind of have kind of a division of two things, breakdowns, basically. So the first initial breakdown is what the what the user of a website sees when they haven't purchased their product or they haven't logged into their account, which is kind of like a basic site. And then as we kind of dig deeper into the wall, the second tier is when a user's logged in or a user's purchased their product, then they get access to all these different features and these different videos and these different guides and things like that. So that's kind of the thing that's being shown to the user on the outside, and then even in the ins and even in the inside of the website, in the heart of the website, the things that only me, my partner, and people part of our team are able to see is we can t- we have tons and tons of data that we're always um, capturing of the actual users, basically where users are clicking, what are causing conversions to drop, the information of users, and just anything that can kind of help us on the business side of things. So when you put up a site, you didn't just put up a site and then just leave it there. You're kind of looking at it, which pages are people spending time on, which pages are converting, how do we ask people to buy or join, all of those types of things you actually started to take a look at, look at the analytics, tweak, make mistakes, find out stuff that's supposed to work that didn't, all of those types of things as well? Yeah, exactly. So the website was uh, – all all my websites are always metrics-driven where I want to know exactly – I want to be in the in the mind of a user and see exactly what they're doing. So for each user, I'm able to tell exactly where they clicked, what caused them to leave, why they left, and even up till this date, it's almost been a year and a few months since we launched that use. Even so today, we're making changes and updates to the website to give the user the best experience possible almost every few weeks. So for all those people on – the internet that are listening and watching right now, um, if you're on a website, there's actually people taking a look at what you're doing on the website. It's almost like if there was a video cam, they're checking you out, seeing how long you stay, what are you looking at, what causes you to go, what do they do that keeps you there, all those types of things are happening behind the scenes. So what else? I mean, you had to do, if you had to figure out how to take money, I mean, how do uh-huh. you figure out how to take money? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, in terms of the the website actually being profitable, what we did to start out was one of the – this is actually one of the bigger mistakes that we made with StaffUse was we didn't have a clear monetization strategy once we kind of launched the website. We launched it for free in beta, and we are just kind of looking to get customer feedback just to see what users thought about the product, where we could make improvements, and how we could essentially increase the value of our product. But little did we know when we launched it that the site kind of would grow way past our expectations. I mean, in a few weeks, we had over 12,000 users right out of the gates while we were in beta. Wow. So that was kind of one of the mistakes that we made where we didn't have a plan that, hey, this is is the product that people want. What are we going to do to monetize it? And due to that, we kind of lost a lot of months in figuring out, okay, what can we do with all these users and this value that we've created to make some money for ourselves? And then today, the way the product is structured is we're offering kind of different packages based on the features and the tools that users are looking for. So typically, the freshman and sophomore need the ultimate package, which gives them all, all the information about college, where they can begin to plan, prepare, and get accepted into the colleges, while the juniors and seniors kind of get the part of the product, which helps them just get accepted into their colleges more than they need to plan and prepare. So that's kind of how we structured our packages. 
Well, we're going to come back on the other side of this. I wanted you, you opened kind of a door, some of the mistakes that were made and some of the things that you learned. So we're going to touch on that mm-hmm. as we go and talking to some of the other products. But you're listening to Cheat, Banner G, and Peter Mingles on the Dash. We'll be right back after this. Do you run a home-based business? Are you looking under every rock for your next superstar diamond in the rough? Are you looking for leads in all the wrong places? Look no more. If you're a seasoned entrepreneur, you know you need the right tools in place to run your online business effectively. If you're brand new at your business and you are looking for top-notch training that will take you and your sales team to the next level. For email marketing, autoresponders, lead management systems, and more, Network Leads is what you need to prospect, communicate, manage, and support your customers and sales organization. Just go to www.networkleads.com forward slash the dash radio and register for your free lead management system today. You've been listening to the Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronx and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience and like us on facebook.com forward slash the dash radio and now back to the show okay perfect you are listening to peter mingles and we have our special guest on the line his first name is jeet last name is banner g and he's a young entrepreneur at the age of 20, has already developed and sold a company. And for many people who never even thought about doing anything like that before, he's already done a lot of the things at the ripe old age of 20. Written e-books, designed companies, worked, put together projects, made some mistakes along the way. And, Jeet, let's talk a little bit about, like, one of the things you had said was you had a Mm -hmm. great concept, you had a team of people that you had developed, I know there's some stories in between all the stuff that's going right or wrong. Talk to me about the hours that you put in originally getting started in proportion to like what other people might have been doing at 19. I guess you said by 19 you had this up and running. Uh, Yeah, around 18, 19, yeah. So around 18 or 19, you know, a lot of your friends, unless they're involved in that project, were probably doing other things. Mm -hmm. And here you are developing a, a company or a product. So what kind of time did it take for you to put together the stat fuse? Um, yeah, definitely. So um, we basically began the project around September of 2011. That's kind of when the idea came to fruition. And then from there, we worked all the way until about February of 2012. Um, and, and when I say work, basically my partner and I were both going to school. So what we would do is we'd go to school in the morning and around about 1.30 we would both finish. And after 1.30, we would meet up at the local Starbucks, and we would just be spending our whole days working on our projects, almost four days a week, all the way up until maybe 9, 9.30 every night. So we were at spending a, a good... At a Starbucks? Yeah, at a Starbucks. We would just meet up at Starbucks around my area or his area, and we would just meet up and just put this project all together, essentially. Wow. And that's kind of how it all got started. We were basically putting in, I'd say, together almost 40 hours a week, and that's kind of where it got started, and that's how basically long it took from September till February of the next year. And, and then when you put it together, there's a little bit of a cloudy view, you know, like of what we're going to do here. You kind of beta do it, and then all of a sudden you turn around and you got 12,000 <laughs> 12, users. That has to create a little bit of chaos. Like, whoa, like your things-to-do list probably grew like real fast. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was it, we weren't expecting that kind of a huge turnout. Our goal in beta was to basically get maybe four or 500 users and just kind of analyze them over a period of six months. And here we were in two weeks with more than 12,000 people on our website. So, I mean, we had to definitely deal with things like our server crashing where we had to go in and upgrade our database, our server, to be able to handle the traffic loads and things like that. And in addition to that, we got a lot of customer feedback and a lot of customers reaching out to us and things like that. So that's kind of that that that's when things started really kicking off and we really got overwhelmed with just how much how much was going on at the same time. Yeah, the more you realize that you have and then all of a sudden you have these customers, the more you realize that oh my gosh, I have to do this and this and this and this and this and everything has to be done first before you can do something else. So that's phenomenal. Now, what do you think 
attributed to it taking off the way it did? I mean, from just like being a beta tester thing, trying to hope, hope a couple of hundred people that might be on every once in a while to like 12,000. What fueled that growth? Um, I think the biggest thing that fueled that growth was the fact that there was kind of a huge need for this product. It was kind of a the way the way we got our users originally was we kind of reached out to um, a, a journal a journal uh, that kind of the this web this channel that kind of played videos in high schools. Mm-hmm. And what they did was they would have like news topics or what's the next biggest thing, etc. So they decided actually they thought our product was really cool when we made the pitch. So they decided to play our video to I think about a few hundred high schools in the East Coast area and it was like a minute long video and from that video all these students started coming across and kind of signing up and joining on our website and since that was our first targeted marketing campaign and we got it out in front of these students, that's when we realized, okay, this product is something that students are really really need, especially in the public schools where they don't have all this kind of access to counselors and things like that. So that definitely fueled us very well. So it's it started off almost like a, a free resource that actually fueled? Um, so so the way the website was set up originally was where it was a free website. No, where well, you, we well, you got your lucky break. You, somebody, oh, yeah, out there, definitely. somebody out there saw it, liked it, helped you promote it. You didn't have to pay for the advertising, I'm guessing. I don't know. Is it, or What happened there? Um, yeah, basically what happened was someone liked our product and wanted to feature it as the next big thing, kind of a segment on their channel that was played in these high schools, and it was basically free a free opportunity. The only thing that we had to pay for was the video that we needed to kind of professionally get done to mm-hmm. give to them to play in the high schools. But other than that, it was basically a free marketing thing, and that's kind of what fueled us to almost get ten to 12,000 users in just a few short weeks. Wow. And then, obviously, you go through the learning curve. Now, all those people that aren't familiar with the servers are what actually deliver up the content. It's like a really big machine or whatever. They'd have Sometimes they distribute the load. But when you start having a lot of people start to look at your stuff all at one time, like things get bogged down. Stuff gets kind of busy. And then all of a sudden, I could just imagine the number of questions that you had. Now, okay, so, we, so you, you kind of hit it off. You get 12,000 users coming around, lots of things that probably, you know, you're never done anytime you're dealing with one of these types of things. And um, and you're having levels of success, and then what? So then you figured out, wait a minute, i got to start making money with this thing. How did you turn it into monetization? Yeah, definitely. So that was kind of one of our toughest obstacles that we faced. We kind of tested a lot of different paid models. We tried advertising. We tried kind of email marketing for other companies, different ways to kind of maybe generate leads for other people, things like that. And it was kind of almost a six-month process before we really figured out something that started to work. Uh, We tried all these things, and nothing was really working very well. And then finally we came across saying, like, okay, hey, we're a product that has a lot of value for these students, so maybe we should just be charging for the product itself. And that's kind of when we decided to create some packages, kind of keep the prices low, keep one-time fee, things like that. And that kind of really feel this to start getting some customers and getting more traction on the paid side of things. So if anybody were listening in and they went to statfuse.com, remember, Jeet, I go through this almost as if I'm a parent, which I am, with a daughter that's looking to figure out which one she wants to go to school and also a little bit like a fish out of water. It's been literally more than 30 years since I had to worry about figuring out this college thing. A lot of things have changed. So when I went to your site and the first thing that I saw was the prices, 1990, I think it was 1995 for one time or 1999, and then 29.95. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is like, where's my credit card? Like, you know, just buy this because, geez, the cost of either applying somewhere or the cost of not finding the information is far greater than the price that you would ever pay. I mean, that you would ever charge me. So it's like an unbelievable resource. I could see how a fa- how how a lot of people jumped onto it. Okay, so let's talk more about the, the stuff that you learned in the process. You said there might have been some other things, too, that you learned. Just to highlight this, you tried different things with advertising, monetizing perhaps your database to send more stuff to them, and then you found just straight sales seemed to be the best one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, our goal at StatFuse was to kind of initially, well, when we came out of the gates, was we didn't really want to charge for this product just because we wanted to make this accessible to as many students and parents as possible. But then when we looked at it from a business standpoint and we tried all these other options that would allow us to keep it free for the users, 
it was just not something sustainable that we could look at and say, hey, the money that we're making is enough for us to be able to continue running this program for the next three to five years. So that's when we kind of said, okay, let's let's try this, let's try the pricing model, and let's try to keep it something that most families can afford. And that's why we that's where we've kind of found the most success, and that's why we've kept that part of the website constant till date. Yeah, as a concerned parent, let me share with you the prices you charge are impulse buys, because mm-hmm. if I don't know where to find the information anywhere, and you're going to put it all together for me, it just made a lot of sense. Okay. So I'm I'm stuck on that one only because I'm a parent. There's a lot of people on the phone that may not be parents or stuff like that. Let's move back to you. So here you are, this entrepreneur, playfully somebody I'd call a serial entrepreneur because it looks like you have a lot of room for a lot of growth in many areas. One of the things I was reading on your blogs was something about patents and mm-hmm. and some of the mistakes or some of the things that you learned about patents. So why don't you kind of open up this segment towards patents and, you know, at at 20 years old, who's looking for patents except for people like yourself? So talk to us about what you learned in the patent process. Um, Yeah, definitely. So once we kind of came up with the idea of stat fees, we were kind of terrified to share this idea with other people just because we were under the fear that, hey, what if they take my idea? And especially after watching movies like The Social Network, you're just paranoid that, hey, someone else can take your idea and turn it into a million-dollar business or whatever it is. So we kind of, I'd say, prematurely jumped into getting the into the idea of getting a patent, and that was something that costed a lot of money at the time. It was almost $6,000 to get this patent done and just to get the first copy sent over without any guarantee of you actually receiving the patent because the way patents work is, you go through, you fill out this form with your attorney, and you go through the whole process of what your product is, and then you ship it to the U.S. Patent Office. And then within about 16 to 24 months, they get back to you, and sometimes if your patent is just not plausible, they'll just say no, and you just lost whatever money you spent with the attorney. Or you have to go back and you have to go through this rebuttal process where you keep resubmitting it, and each time you submit it, it costs more money. So that's kind of how the patent process worked, and we were – we were so terrified of others taking our idea that we decided to commit so much financially to get this actual patent through and get this patent in. So we got this patent in and we moved forward with it. And then the biggest mistake I realized actually was getting this patent done. Um, the reason for that was we were kind of so terrified about people taking the idea or people coming in and doing it. And even though we have a patent, there are still competitors who have come up and they're doing what we're doing. So I think that was kind of a big lesson that we learned, that patents necessarily don't stop others from taking your ideas. If you're gaining traction and you're doing well, people are going to come and follow you and imitate you no matter what it is that you have. So in in terms of patents itself, like I think you should definitely save money if you can on the patents. I think patents are more kind of something just on paper that says, hey, you have this idea and it's protected. But in reality, it's not always protected as well as you think. So that's kind of my take on patents. Right. It's. I guess it would be tough to patent an idea, and mm-hmm. some people try to patent code, but it's kind of mm-hmm. like a slippery slope like you had mentioned. We are right around that time. I, I can't believe the second segment went so fast. I want to talk to more about stuff relative to entrepreneurs, but we're going to spin some records over here. Now, I'm going to play Bob, the tax guy, talk about taxes. Today is April 15th for those people that are here listening live. If you forgot, you better run out to the post office real fast and mail out your... Uh, extension or push that button and do your extension because it's tax day. And for those other people that are saying, oh, I did the extension thing and maybe I have a little bit of a breather to put some stuff together, you want to hear about Bob and his tax program. So here we go. Are you in a run about your taxes? No more with this simple template. Your business deserves the best and so do you. Try our simple bookkeeping formula. You'll look organized, find your receipts, And you might even get a write-off. One thing is for sure, you'll thank us. Visit bit.ly forward slash the dash taxes. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash D-A-S-H taxes. You've been listening to the Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronce and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then... Hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on Facebook.com forward slash The Dash Radio. And now, back to the show. 
Okay, this is Peter Mingles. We are talking about the Dash Radio Show. The Dash is, you know, you start somewhere like in your birth and you end whenever you end, and everything in between is how you fill your lives. And the first time I ever heard that was when I was looking at a tombstone and I saw the little dash and I was reminded about a poem that I had read and said, you know what? Only certain people really know what happens in between, and many of us either just live it or many of us have a chance to actually do something with it. And we are interviewing right now a gentleman. His first name is Jeet, last name is Banerjee, and he is already doing a lot of great things to be able to help a lot of people. And, and Jeet, i got to share with you, the product that you have with the Stat Fuse, helping people get the first steps of achieving their dreams by starting at the university or the college and figuring out how to get into the school they really wanted to or their chances are, i got to share with you, you've helped a whole bunch of people live and start to live their dreams. So, you know, my kudos as an entrepreneur, you have a great product that's really making a big difference because I know how important that is. Here's something from an old guy. When I first uh, was in sales, I graduated from college, broke my mom's heart, didn't go to school to be a doctor. I went to school to sell vacuums door-to-door <laughs> with a company called Electrolux. Mom was mad. If mom was listening in, she would say she was really mad because she paid. She helped fund my way to get through school. So for all those parents on the phone that ever went through a horrible story like that, my mom's heart was broken when I decided that I wanted to be a vacuum cleaner salesman, even though it was for a management training position. But I learned a lot on the street. I learned a lot by selling. I learned a lot through the mistakes that I had made. I learned a lot by doing that, quite honestly. I don't necessarily know if I could have ever taken those experiences and not have them work for me the way they did. But when I left Electrolux, I introduced um, I was uh, introduced to a company called P.F. Collier, and they sold educational products. And I learned something from a gentleman named Warren. And when they were selling educational products, he said this. He said, Peter, do you realize that there's probably three things that are going to make a big difference in your life? And I said, Warren, what's that? He says, number one is your level of education and what you do with it. Number two is what you do to pursue money. And number three is who you marry. Now, when I first heard that, I never had it put to me that simply as it was. And I said, Warren, I guess that's right. You know your level of education and what you do with it, what you do every day to pursue money, and then who you marry, you know, right or wrong or however that turns out. You're right. And I take a look at 50 years old right now with me, my level of education and what I did with it, um, what I do to make money, and then who I marry do really determine what I might be doing for the next 20 out of these 24 hours that I'll be working. You specifically, I don't know if you know how deep it is, but you specifically through that product, when you help someone get into the school that they really want to, do change the course or plot the course of their life. And that is flat out huge. So, you know, congratulations for doing all those things. All right, so that's the good stuff. Let's talk to us about some of the things you did right. I heard that you put your your product in front of somebody that then helped get you way more success than you were planning on initially. We -hmm. talked about maybe some of the roads that you stepped down. You said, you know, if I were to do it all over again, I think we were a little bit more concerned, and that was the patent process. Mm -hmm. And unless, of course, you're like a drug maker or somebody doing something for the very, 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 very first time, you're right. Maybe you don't have a patentable product like that, even if you do get a patent, especially with a technology-driven thing. Maybe some other people are going to be able to take advantage, you know, basically try to do something with probably no knowledge of your patent. And what are some of the other things that you figure, you know, hey, Peter, we did this right, or hey, Peter, you know, if I had a chance to do it all over again, here's one of those entrepreneurial stories where we probably wouldn't have run down that trail. So give us some of the good stuff. Give us some of the other stuff. I mean, in terms of the good stuff, I think one of the one of the best kind of principles that I've had is kind of my mindset going into entrepreneurship as a whole. Like kind of right when I got into entrepreneurship, like I understood that failure is something that may happen, and if it does happen, there's two ways of looking at it. You can let failure kind of define you, and you can just stop right there, or you can look at failure and say, hey, okay, I failed, but failure doesn't define me or my business. It's just something that happened. It's like an event. Like March 31st, we failed doing X, Y, Z. And for me, failure was something where I kind of early on, I understood that failure, the way you attack failure is the way that you'll kind of see whether you're successful or not. And that mindset helped me a lot because when I did fail, I may have been disappointed that day and I may have just said, okay, hell, I'm going to eat some ice cream and just kind of 
be down about it, but then when the next morning hit, it was all about saying, okay, what happened yesterday happened. It's not something that's going to define me unless I let it define me by quitting right now. And just by being able to bounce back from failure and learning from failure, I think, is one of the most important things that anybody can do, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're an athlete, whatever it is. Just embracing failure and learning from it is huge, and I think that really contributes to a lot of success and a lot of good stuff that happens. So that's kind of one of the really good things that I think has helped me a lot. Pretty knowledgeable for pretty knowledgeable for a teenager applying those principles. I know you're 20 now, but you applied those principles mm-hmm. when, you, when a teenager. Where did you learn that from? That's above the typical mindset of most people when they're 17 or 18 or 19 years old. Where did you pick up those principles? Um, I think it's just been kind of from following like my role models, just from following successful people that I kind of un- I kind of realized like, hey, this guy's successful because he didn't quit or he didn't give up. I mean, growing up, I've watched athletes like Kobe Bryant, who's been one of my biggest role models. I've looked at him and I've said, hey, okay, he goes through the season and he doesn't win a championship. But he has at that time, he can just say, oh, I give up. I'm not going to try and come back and win another championship. It's just all over here. But he keeps coming back and he says, this year we're going to do it. This year we're going to do it. And just looking at the mindset of successful people who have been down, who've been kicked to the ground, but they have gotten back up and they've succeeded at it, that kind of made me realize that anything is possible as long as you kind of understand the way you tackle failure. So when we speak about failure, is it failure all the time or is it stuff that just doesn't work out that makes you have to reroute your thought process or is it a combination of both? If you fail a test, you fail a test. You get an F, you know? Uh But they don't do that when you're running a business. They don't give you like apps. You don't have to worry about that stuff, and your mom doesn't have to write your letter, you know? So uh-huh. so what do you mean? When you say failure, is, I, I stepped on top of your response, but is it failure like, you know, things didn't work out, or is it like something else? Um, I think it's I think it's a little bit of a mix of both. I mean, there's times when you try something, and it doesn't work out, and you keep on trying different things, and it doesn't work out, and you kind of become frustrated, and it becomes a big struggle. And then when you're kind of frustrated, especially when you're down, it's really easy to just say, I quit. I'm just going to go do something else. Whereas that's kind of where I've said, like, the moments when the lowest points or the lowest moments have been when I've said, okay, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep trying. And those are the kind of failures, whether it's kind of making mistakes and saying, oh, we made this huge mistake. Now we have to go rework two months of work and saying, yes, we're going to do it and going in and doing it with a positive attitude instead of saying, oh, wow, we just did two months of work. Let's just forget about it and just drop this. Those are kind of the little things that I consider as like failures or kind of things that have kicked us down where we bounce back up. So, I mean, you were willing to, like use the number two months, you were willing Mm -hmm. to say, you know, we worked our butt off probably for two solid months to get this one part down. And then based on the new knowledge that we have, we just, it didn't work. And it takes a lot to not Mm -hmm. stick to the decision that you had to say, this isn't working. And then to start from scratch I'm telling you, I've had I've had a couple of those days myself where you say, whoa, I need a breather. Okay, we're done. Let's go back to work and we do it all over again. That is, that is not a fun process. Okay, good. All right, so are there any other, like, for instance, we talked about patents. We talked about stuff like that. Let's talk about some of the levels of success. You sold your company. That is, like, way cool. That's, like, homegrown. Did you have mixed feelings about selling it? Um. I actually kind of decided, I took the decision myself to kind of sell the first company that I was working on just because um, I was really passionate about entrepreneurship. Things that I was doing at that time wasn't like truly what my passion was. I wanted to kind of do entrepreneurship where I could help others or solve problems through kind of through innovation. And my other company, we were, I didn't feel like I was exactly doing that and kind of pursuing that. So that's why I decided like, hey, I have this idea for staff use. We're on this great idea and we're, we already, I already started big on working on it. So that's when I decided to say, like, let's see how much I can get for this company and possibly use that to kind of propel staff use to another level of success. So that's when I kind of decided to move forward on the selling process. Now, that's another whole learning curve, I'm guessing. 
So, you know, hey, you, 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 you start one, you start from scratch, you get more people than you thought, then all of a mm-hmm. sudden, you know, now all of a sudden it's a matter of asking someone to actually pay you something and giving away your firstborn, if you will, relative to that. Now, let's, I started the conversation on StatFuse, and I don't know if that's the right part to start the conversation with you on or not, but I'm looking at your website, and for those people that are listening in, if you go to Jeet, that's J-E-E-T, like Thomas, Banerjee, B-A-N-1-N-E-R-J-E-E.com. So, again, with a running start, you go to the www.jeetbanerjee.com. That's J-E-E-T-B-A-N-E-R-J-E-E.com. You'll go there, and when you go there, you'll see the About Me section. It's got a really cool blog with some really nice information in it as well. And then there's a Projects button, and I see a couple of other projects that you're working on. So I'll let this be your segment. Mm-hmm. Tell us about what else you're working on. Um, yeah, definitely. So I mean, another project that I've kind of been working on, pretty hands-on, is in the summer I kind of came up with this idea for this company called Vintelli. And basically, what we do at Vintelli is very similar to what sites like Yelp or Yellow Pages do. Um, a business can come in, they can sign up on Yelp, and then they have a business profile for their business. But when a customer is looking for that business, they typically have to go through Yelp. Let's say they type in pizza parlor in New Jersey, for example, and their business profile will show up with the other 10 or 15 pizza parlors that are out there. So what we do with Vintelli is we do the same thing where businesses come in, they fill out a profile, and they add their listing on our website. But instead of having those businesses rank in our own database and compete with the others on our database, we actually let them select keywords or phrases, and we rank them on the search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. So now if someone goes to Google and types in Pizza Parlor in New Jersey, there's only going to be one listing from our actual website that's going to be shown on Google, Yahoo, and Bing that's going to say, hey, there's a Pizza Parlor in New Jersey, and this is the profile to kind of view more details about it. So that's kind of what I'm doing with Vintelli. And then there's a few other projects that I'm working on that I can't discuss too much about, but my role in those companies are more as kind of like a consultant, kind of just helping helping these individuals take their ideas and kind of turn it into a successful business model. So I'm doing mostly consulting and just advising these businesses on what to do. So, yeah. So with Vintelli, how far along is that, or is it still in the works as far as some of the stuff that you're working on? So it's we've got we're basically I'd say we're in about a beta stage right now. Um, we launched it in a soft, we did a soft launch in October of last year, and uh, we're still kind of in that beta period right now, just working on kind of analyzing what customers are looking for and how we can kind of create the best value for companies. So that's kind of where we're at with that project. In reference to search engines. You know, mm-hmm. the whole concept behind a search engine has evolved. And I remember when I first got started with my business, um, you know, we, you, you heard the you – know, I'm going to date myself even further. You hear people <laughs> say, like, you know, if if you don't have a website, you don't have a business. And, like, that's mm-hmm. what people used to talk about. Like, you know, maybe you need a website. Well, now every day, of course, lots of people that are online are looking for websites. And then mm-hmm. it's a matter of getting traffic because just to have a website really doesn't matter if no one sees it. It's like I use the expression winking in the dark, only you know you're doing it. And then i got to share with you, i got some real horror stories relative to my own personal experiences of people that knew more about it than I did, sounded good, and I bought what they were selling because they knew more about it than I did. And I remember my first year, I think I dropped $15,000 on a company that literally was a waste of fifteen grand. The guy who spoke to me just, he threw out a whole bunch of things that were impressive to me. I didn't know the difference. I signed a contract. I paid them X amount of money every single month. They actually did some things, I think, to hurt my traffic as opposed to help my traffic. But they were the experts, and I gladly gave them my money. And I would imagine now with Google, and you're now mentioning Bing and the wars that are going on between those giants and uh, mm-hmm. and all the other sort of stuff. The search engine business must be ever-changing all the time. Is that a true statement, or is that a slippery slope, or what is it? I mean, can anybody just get to the top of Google? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's actual proven formulas that the people can kind of go in and get on top of the Googles or get on top of the Bings and Yahoos. It's kind of it, it's kind of a systematic approach that you have to take, and there's a lot of people that know the formula, and there's also a lot of people, I hear that story that you just told me from a lot of other people where they say, hey, I trusted this guy, and 
he didn't do absolutely anything for me. And with online marketing, it's that's kind of the one of the parts that really suck is that there's a lot of slimy people out there that'll try and rip you off, and there's also a lot of genuine good companies out there that'll get the job done for you SEO wise. But to kind of answer your question, in terms of the search engines, the search engines are always kind of changing. Their algorithms are always changing to prevent people from copying it, to kind of make it more advanced for the user that's searching. So there's always changes in the algorithm, but there's nothing ever that happens that's super drastic where one morning you may wake up and say, hey, I don't know how to, I don't know how to put a website on top of Google anymore. They kind of do very small changes, and it's kind of something like over the 365-day period, it's something that's constantly changing slowly and slowly, bits and pieces, and that's kind of how the search engines work. Excellent. Okay, so um, the stuff that you do in, with Ventelli would help mm-hmm. an organization be seen more frequently, I'm guessing. Yeah, exactly. Basically, the basically the value that we're trying to add with Ventelli is that there's companies out there to get their business ranked on the search engines. They're typically companies charge anywhere from $300 upwards a month, and we've kind of created this formula where we're using kind of a Yelp-type database but we're doing the SEO for businesses, and we're able to get the prices down to as low as a dollar a day for some companies. So that's kind of where our biggest value is. Now, I don't know if a lot of people know what Yelp means. I mean, you usually hear mm-hmm. Yelp when you step on a dog's paw. So what does Yelp do? Like, what is the traditional thing that you're comparing it to? Um, yeah, definitely. So Yelp is basically um, a directory site where basically businesses go in and they list themselves, and from their users that have seen a customer that's visited, say, a Pizza Hut in New Jersey can go in and rate their experience with that Pizza Hut. So it's just a way for people to figure out how people, what people think of their experiences with certain stores, certain restaurants, certain businesses, and that's kind of what Yelp does. They add all these businesses, and then they add these five-star, four-star, three-star reviews based on customer experiences with that location. Excellent. Okay, we're going to take a break. I'll be right back on this other side with Jeet Banerjee. Here we go. Savage Smokes is a new site on the scene dedicated to the trending electronic cigarette industry. If you are looking into e-cigs as an alternative to tobacco and have been disappointed by the ones you picked up at the gas station or you kept your money in your pocket because you didn't know which one to buy, head to SavageSmokes.com for honest and up-to-date electronic cigarette reviews on most e-cigs you see on the shelves. You've been listening to The Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronce and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on facebook.com forward slash the dash radio. And now, back to the show. Okay, we have Peter Mingles over here. We have... Jeet Banerjee um, from JeetBanerjee.com on the line as well. We're going to spell that website so those people can go to it one more time. You've heard me being super excited about his product. That can probably help um, kids and anybody else in school find the right school, maybe find the right financing, maybe find the right scholarships, see what their odds are and their chances are. And for those people that might have their hope, um, on maybe one particular university or another, uh, have an opportunity to more or less get their choice. And we spoke about Ventelli, which is another product that he's coming out right now, and that's in that beginning stages, and that's going to be taken off as well. And then we talked about him being a consultant as well. So if people wanted to buy something from UGEAT, where would they go to buy, and what would they buy specifically? If they wanted to start to develop a relationship with you, even if it's like just reading your materials or taking your uh, courses or hiring you as a consultant, where would people go and find you? Um, so, yeah, so basically the website that you just mentioned, gbanerjee.com, is the perfect place for that. It has my book, my blog, uh, ways people can hire me for consulting services, view my websites, my projects. So everything's on that one website. It's kind of like a portal all about me. So that's probably the best place. Okay, and for those people that are listening listening in, and you might have come in a little bit later, Jeet is spelled J-E-E-T like Thomas, and then Banerjee, B-A-N-E-R-J-E-E.com. So we'll make sure that we put it up on the dashradio.com as far as a link and a post, but you'll be able to go in there and be able to capture the um, the enthusiasm and the knowledge that this young man is generating. So at 20 years old, 
you're starting another project. What are you super excited about as far as the future of the Internet? What are you super excited about as far as the future for your ability to help other people? Tell us a little bit more about maybe some of the passion and some of the ideas that you have towards helping yourself and others. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, all my startups, basically, I try to create businesses that kind of um, solve problems or help others through innovation. Um, I want to be kind of known for coming out with ideas and things that help people rather than just coming out with a business idea that's just for sake of money. I have kind of a deeper purpose, which is just to be able to help others while being able to make some money for myself through my ideas. And in terms of things that I'm excited about, um, I'm actually, in terms of internet, mar internet trends and things like that, I'm pretty excited about kind of how the world is shifting more towards mobile with like mobile apps, things like Google Glasses, and so those are the kinds of things that I'm kind of really looking out for and really excited to kind of see more about. Well, it sure does seem like the like you know the world went from the desktop to the laptop to the tablet, and now all of a sudden everybody's trying to figure out how to do business on a little two-inch screen, which is you know for guys like me it's tough. Like I was a, my wife was a it still is like a crackberry, and she had these little teeny weeny keys, and I just said listen. If uh, God wanted me to be sitting there texting, he'd make my thumb smaller. I mean, it was just crazy. I would absolutely freak out. And now, I'm telling you, I'm like a convert. I could run almost my whole entire business from one of these iPhones or smartphones. It's scary phenomenal. So <laughs> I don't know where it's going, but it's scary phenomenal knowing that whatever's controlling my business, I might actually drop in a toilet by accident one day. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like it's like the most amazing things I've ever seen. So where do you think, like for instance, the applications do you, are, are, are going to take us as a community? You think we're heading in the right direction, the wrong direction? Uh, like what do you think is going to be happening next? I'll ask you to be like the future person or the visionary. Tell us what's next. Um yeah, I mean definitely it just seems like everything is kind of becoming every every everyday items are just becoming more and more technologically advanced. Like I know there's things like the iWatch that's coming out from Apple where your watch can now control your smartphone and it can do all these crazy things. So in terms of the future, I just think all our household items, things that we're used to as being just a piece of plastic is going to have some kind of technology inside that will make life easier, it will make life more interesting, or whatever it is, just like the Google Glasses. Now you don't even have to pull out your phone to take a video. You just push a button or just say record video, and your glasses will start immediately taking video. So I think everything is just becoming more mobile and just more technologically advanced. Now, is is there a plus side to that? Probably. Is there a downside to that? What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a plus side. It, I think everything is becoming more convenient, and, of course, technology is becoming way more advanced, so we're able to do and look into all these cool things. And then one of the downsides, of course, is now if you want to go out and buy a watch, it's not going to be just 20 bucks or 30 bucks. Now you may have to spend two, $300 for a watch. So I think the biggest downside is that technology obviously comes with these hefty prices and these costs, so a lot of the consumers are going to have to bear these high high prices and high costs. How about your views on things like security or privacy? These things, in my mind, just really help to share. Maybe I'm old, but these things have a tendency of just making ourselves a little bit more vulnerable to maybe some unscrupulous things. Do you have any concerns like that at all? Um. I mean, off the face of things, I don't have any specific concerns, but, I mean, definitely with mobile apps and things, anything mobile, you're able to give people and especially companies access to information that you may want to consider more than once or twice. And I think just the fact that people can do anything with that information is something that's kind of something to definitely worry about. But I think with, I think with anything, um, limitations and restrictions will soon start to develop that will kind of protect the privacy and protect the interests of the customers and the users. Excellent. Okay, good. All right. So now next, um, we talked about Ventelli. Do you have? Is that where your focus is right now, or do you are you working on? You said you've got a couple of other pet projects that you're working on relative to apps. Is there anything new that you're working on that you want to share with us? Um, yeah, I mean, my main focus has kind of been um, still is that fees. We're just trying to trying to push that product as hard as possible, and I've kind of been doing some apps on the side as well. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of Ventelli, that's also that is one of my priorities, but. 
the way I kind of structured out Vintelli was um, I came up with the idea and I decided to find partners that would kind of really be able to feel and take use their ambition to kind of really push that project. So I've kind of moved into more of a consultant role for that project for time reasons, of course. So I've kind of got some great partners and great people that are kind of part of that project that are helping it push push it along right. So the success that you had in developing your first company has propelled you into opening up other doors for you, and the other doors really have opened up opportunities. And it sounds like if you were just that regular college student just getting an AA on that final exam, probably would have missed out on. And you've taken a semester off so you can concentrate on some of your other products. And you had a unique spin for that. It might have worked... <laughs> <laughs> with your parents to buy a little bit of time, you know, as far as some time off. But you're going for it, so you took some time off of school because you can't do yeah, everything exactly. at the same time. So go ahead, tell us about, like, how that went. You're still a young guy. You're still kind of responsible to your parents to a certain extent. I'm guessing it sounds like you're a good guy that comes in a nice family. What did you do with your mom and your dad when they said, what? Yeah, exactly. So they were pretty anxious and kind of a little bit worried, um, automatically jumping to the conclusion that I was kind of dropping out. So, I mean, I kind of just explained it to them from a perspective where, like, opportunity is kind of once in a lifetime, like a market or an idea may not be the same two years down the line, three years down the line. So I kind of explained to them that the things that I'm working on are kind of opportunities and they may not be there three, four years down the line once I graduate. But college is always going to be there unless somehow mysteriously my credits disappear from the computer or something. <laughs> what I've done up to this point will always be there. So I kind of just explained it to them from that perspective that, hey, opportunities are once in a lifetime, but college will kind of be something that's always there. So that's kind of how I, got, I was able to buy myself a little bit of time. Okay. <laughs> Good. Now, do your parents come from a technical background, or are they more traditional? Um, so, so my dad actually owns a uh, he uh, he owns a software development company himself. So he understands okay. the technical stuff very well. So yeah. Okay. Did he help at all, or did you kind of forge this way on your own? Um, so most of it's been on my own. He's pretty he's pretty busy guy. So hmm. I mean, he's always there for advice and kind of help and things like that. He's also kind of helped me with some web development and things like that. But um, for the most part, he's kind of just been there for questions, small things here and there, but nothing where he's kind of Picked me up okay, and done good. it step by step with me. Right, so you really are a self-made entrepreneur. Figuring, <laughs> yeah. figuring out how to first do it with that one website that maybe no one will ever see that dunk one because <laughs> it was a yeah. general general concept, and to be in something that actually helped change people's lives. So mm -hmm. I am super excited to be able to hook up with you, and maybe we'll be able to do some business uh, sometime in the future. I know as a cousin, after I'm done with this, I'm taking my daughter. We're going to go to the uh, to the, the one website and help because she's still kind of like actively looking. And I can't help her the same way that you can. And I'm going to share with you, you being able to help a kid find the right pathway to their education, even if they don't finish their school or whatever, is very, very, very important. Well, it has been my pleasure, Cheat to be able to interview you. Dawn was busy doing something else. She missed out. I got a chance to take a, a look at some cool stuff that you're doing. I really wish you tremendous success. At 20 years old, you're following and paving a path that most people will never get a chance to do or maybe they're a little bit afraid to. So can you share with us in the, in the last minute, give us the good old you know, entrepreneurial, go for it, who cares about the obstacles? Give us a little motivational speech that will have anybody that's kind of like sitting behind wondering, can I do something like he can do? Give us a little motivational speech to say, you know what, if you're going to work your butt off and you're really determined, you probably can. So go for it. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, all you really need is kind of um, passion. You just need to find something that you're passionate about, something that you love doing, something that you can wake up every morning and say, I'm really excited to do this. And that's kind of all you need is that and ambition to succeed to really be successful. I mean, I don't have an MBA, tons of money or anything, any fancy credentials when I started. It was just simply I was passionate about something and I really loved what I was doing and that just kind of drove me to work hard and kind of wake up every morning excited to do what I was doing and that essentially helped me take me where I am today. So, I mean, anybody can truly be successful. It's really about just finding what you enjoy doing and being committed to it and dedicating your time and dedicating yourself to achieve great things. And you worked real hard, too. So that was yeah, also definitely. a 
component. So not get discouraged. Work real hard. Live your dreams. Hey, guys, I want to say thanks to Jeet Banerjee for being on our site and being on our call and on our webinars and everything else that we're going to do in the future. We're going to call it a call. Don and I will be back tomorrow talking about some stuff. And, Jeet, thanks again. We're going to catch, uh, catch you later, and we'll wrap this up. Thank you, everyone. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the show. At The Dash, we know that your time is precious, and your choosing to spend it with us means a lot. To get reminders for our live shows, click follow on the top of any show. Also, subscribe to our blog for articles, inspirations, and great products and services for your ever-growing business at thedashradio.com. For upcoming mobile experience, text DASH to 37404, and don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thedashradio. Again, thanks for spending some of your Dash with us. We look forward to talking with you again soon. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.